Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Sunday, January the 21st. And uh, let me say hello to our good friend, George Rodriguez from San Antonio, where I understand, George, that it's been a little windy down there in, yes, in good old San Antonio. Had, uh, so tell tell us about it. Well, well we've had, uh, we, we were having such wonderful, really warm weather. And then all of a sudden, we had a cold snap hit us last weekend. We had a windstorm uh, then, but then we had a follow-up one on Friday, which was really strong again. And then we had another one last night. And uh, these two last ones have uh, apparently caused uh, a lot of branches and uh, trees to fall over. Hmm. And um, it's uh, it caused some sort of shortages. Some yes, I would think so. We we had you know a week ago Sunday or into Monday we had a some flurries and some very light snow and some ice and all of that. And then tonight, we're supposed to get some precipitation. The temperatures are going to be low enough that they could be flurries uh, or maybe some ice. But I think it'll it'll be, it'll be go away by midday tomorrow. So uh, we also have some exciting weather. I guess that's what makes living in January so wonderful, George. Yeah. Well, we're supposed to have some heavy, heavy rain um, tomorrow and uh, Tuesday. And, in fact, there's a flood uh, there's a flood warning, not a watch, but a flood warning in Houston and all the way halfway to San Antonio. So wow. we're going to get some some heavy rain here. So excitement, excitement on I-35. Yes, and I thought it was all over that now that the Cowboys had lost. But Yeah, I tell you, that was a nasty, that was a nasty Sunday night here. I'll tell well, you that I, right blame, I, I blame the Democrats. Well, what else? We have to blame it COVID. on somebody, right? Blame COVID. I yeah, news. yeah, I, I I agree. I agree. It's too bad we didn't get to see Detroit and Dallas go at it each other. That would have been fun. Uh, that would have been a good game. Yeah. But I guess we'll have to wait till next year. A couple of and speaking of the Cowboys, I just want to remind everybody of this. It was 45 years ago today that the Cowboys and the Steelers played Super Bowl 13, and this was a fantastic game. If anybody has ever seen. The, the NFL films, you know, the, the, these films that they, they, they're they so good, these films that they've put together. But Super Bowl thirteen was one of the greatest games ever. And it, it turned out to be the last game of the 1970s, the last postseason game of the 1970s between the two teams that were the best two teams of the 1970s, the Cowboys and the Steelers. So it was, there, there's a lot to watch in that game. And I always get a kick out of watching it, you know, the summaries of that. What was the final score in that one? I can't It was 35-31. to 35-31, correct. And the Cowboys scored two touchdowns in the last uh, three minutes. And so they, they almost didn't came back, and, back. Didn't Staubach um, yes, he um, did. retire right after that? Pretty close, pretty close. I think maybe he played another year, but uh, – uh, that was pretty much the it was pretty much the end of the of that run, you know, that yeah. great run that they had in the 70s. But what if anybody ever wants to see a really good game, you don't have to watch the whole game, but NFL films has these, you know, documentaries, the highlights, the highlights and they're just absolutely great. And then I also want to say hello to one of my favorite people, and that's Placido Domingo, the great, the great uh, singer from Spain, great voice. And he's 83 years old today. But here's something amazing, George. I, I, I read about this. He made his professional debut in 1961. So that would have been he was, what, 20 years old, maybe, 
and he made it in Dallas, Texas. Now that's crazy. Yeah. You know, that, that he would make, I guess he was performing some opera or something like that. And he was here in, in, in Dallas, Texas. So I, I found that to be, uh, to be rather interesting. Well, let's, let's, uh, let's get into some serious things uh, going on in the news. It appears that Texas and the DOJ have a lot of fights going on. Uh, the latest one, of course, is over Eagle Pass. There's also one over the the barriers on the river, the famous uh, buoys, I guess they're called. No, I think the buoys have been, have uh, that has been resolved. I think that yes. was on the, the Constantina wire. The right. Wire. The, the buoys, uh, they basically said, we're, gonna, we're not going to do anything till May, I think, when, when the next review is. Uh, and then the, the wire, uh, they're fighting over that, but Texas keeps putting up wire. And, you know, I, I think what's happening uh, and is that we're learning how good the governor is and the attorney general, the two of them, how good they are. Uh, we just lost George there for a second. But I think we're we're learning how good the governor and uh, and the attorney general are at crafting these cases, so that when they go to the Supreme Court, they're they're crafting a case in such a way that you know they're they're not saying that they they have uh, let's say the the power to uh, to run immigration. But in base, in fact, they're saying to the federal government, you know, this is. Your terrain. I think we got our friend, uh, our friend back. Let me see. Let me see. Uh, well, anyway, well, I, I think we got him back. Uh, George, yeah, we yeah. got you back there. Okay. No, but George, right before, right before um, you you left us, not literally, but I guess literally you left us. But uh, <laughs> I was going to say for a short time you left us. Uh, but anyway, what I, what I was I was about to say is that I think what we're seeing here in these cases is how well crafted yes. these cases are from the perspective of the governor and the attorney general. They really know how to prepare these cases and they know exactly what lane to go down, if I could put it that way. Uh, I mean, they recognize, they concede that the federal government has a role to play here. But they're saying we're only doing it because you're not doing your part. It's it's an amazing good argument, George. Yeah, the uh, it, it's a tremendous one-two punch, and I think that the good thing about it, the thing that I that I that I applaud both the um, the governor and the attorney general in, is that they have uh, taken this case these cases in increments. They have taken a point by point, step by step attack on the federal government for not doing what it's supposed to be doing. There are a lot of people who for, for a long time here in here in Texas have been demanding that the uh, state take all sorts of, of uh, strong action that they uh, send the, the, the National Guard initially was to shut the border down completely. Initially it was to deport people on their own. Obviously the, um, the uh, state government couldn't do that. Um, but, however, what has happened is that they have taken the governor and the attorney general have taken a step-by-step -step process of doing what they can do, making it very obvious that the federal government is not doing it. And in doing so, they are showing the courts as they go along 
the failures of the federal government. And I think that that is, I mean, it is, it, to me, they are great. They have done exactly what needed. Um, you don't take a gun and shoot down a gnat. Uh, you, you, you know, do it incrementally. And that's what, that's how they've approach, approached it. Yeah. There is a lot that should be done. There's a lot that still can be done. But uh, at this point, the embarrassment is Biden's. And the problem is the federal government that has not protected the state of Texas. Right, exactly. And and I I think a good analogy uh, for people who may not may not be following this, a good analogy about what's happening here between Texas and the federal government. Imagine that you are the tenant, let's say an apartment building, and the landlord, the tenant and the landlord, they both have certain responsibilities under the contract. Uh, obviously, the landlord has to uh, pr do certain things in the premises and, and certain things. And then, of course, the tenant has to pay the rent. They both have responsibilities. But when the landlord is not doing his part, then the tenant can can say, hey, you're I'm not going to pay the rent because you're not viable. You're, you're not living up to your side of the deal. And I think that's kind of what uh, I mean, my my example is very. I, I think that's a very good one. I think that's yeah. very good because. The federal government is not living up to its contract to the Constitution, and its uh, and its uh, uh, responsibilities to the state. Right. No, I think you're right, and I and I think that the 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 good judgment of the governor and the attorney general is to do this in a very deliberate way, where they're exactly. saying, "Look, document we, it properly and yeah. show it." That's right. The, the you know the Texas is we not saying we and yelled and called the and called the police. Right. You know, but that wouldn't have done too much. <laughs> no, yeah, but I mean, I think Texas is saying, look, we agree with you that this is a federal responsibility. Yes, but you're but, just not doing it. <laughs> but you're not doing it, so we have to do it. So I think it's it's an amazing case. And and I, I guess next week we should have follow-up well, on the I Eagle Pass situation. Totally I completely and totally applaud the... Um, I do. I agree. And he's getting a lot of recognition around the country, by the way, the governor for this. Yes, He's getting a lot of people who are agreeing with him. Well, I, in what, you know, uh, the question doing. should be: if, if it happens to Texas, it could happen to anybody else. Well, sure, and and we have the the largest uh, we have the largest border, and and I think that's uh, the problem. One fascinating thing that I read today, speaking about uh, the border, comes from this uh, new senator from Pennsylvania, Senator Fetterman. Yes, and he was on I don't know one of the networks. I think it was CNN. He was on CNN and he was saying, look, you know, these are not two different things. You can be for immigration, legal immigration. And at the same time, you can be for border security. Exactly. And that used to be the what everybody believed, you know, that, yeah, it's great to have immigration. Nobody opposes legal immigration. It's a good thing. But when you when you're having the kind of chaos that we're having on the border, and look what's happening in New York on the streets of New York. I mean, it's just madness. And, and you know, George, in a way, I feel, I feel like some of these migrants have been used. Um, I, I feel I have sympathy for them because they they were used by everybody along the way. They were used by the people who were charging them money to come to the United States or to the border, uh, and they've been used once they're in here because they they're really not prepared to deal with moving to the United States, most of them. They don't have work permits. They, they don't really have the ability to support themselves. 
And I don't know whether many of them understood that when when they decided to come to the United States, George. No, I mean, it's it, it is. Uh, I have word used the word in Spanish, titere, that they are puppets uh, when speaking to some of these folks. Um, it, it is very, very obvious that they are they are uh, being played in a political game uh, by the Democrats. I mean, from the moment that they claim uh, sanctuary status for their cities and then immediately say, no, never mind, uh, we can't handle all these people. So uh, it, it's it's obvious. It's very, very obvious that this is a, uh, this is a political game that's being played. Right. And then you look at, you know, with the winter now in New York and Chicago, Many of these people are, they're not prepared for the winter. I can tell you when our family first came to the United States and we were here legally, that first winter will shake you up, believe me. <laughs> and uh, so I can just imagine how difficult it must be from some of these people coming from climates that they don't have weather uh, like that. Well, let's jump a little bit to the political uh, side of things. Uh, the The Republican nomination seems to be shaking up very quickly, and it's all favoring former President Trump. Governor DeSantis dropped out today. I thought he gave a had a chance to listen to the whole thing. He said, "I thought he was wonderful in the statement that that he made. I mean, just a perfect statement uh, that he made to to get out of this. I'm, I'm assuming that Nikki Haley will drop out as well um, sometime, probably." Next week after New Hampshire, she'll do better in New Hampshire than she did. I don't know. In Iowa. A woman scorned. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, she's uh, she's going to probably do technically better, but she doesn't have much of a future after that. What I'm hoping is that she drops out, frankly. Yes, and we can end this whole nonsense because it's going to be Trump. I mean, that's fairly obvious. Now, did you have a chance to watch the Santas? Because it was only like a five minute speech, but I thought it was great. I thought it was absolutely great. No, I haven't had a chance to do that. Yeah, well, check it out because I, and I'd recommend that to everybody in the audience, check it out because I thought this was DeSantis at his finest. You know, when he's basically saying, look, this is why I got in. This is why I'm getting out. And, uh, you know, we're supporting President Trump and let's move on. I thought it was very well done uh, the way he did it. But of course, his, now, character, his character is much more. Uh, I, and I guess it's because of his training at West Point and because being an officer, uh, I've always felt that his training is very, very good when it comes to the media, when it comes to to uh, public uh, uh, comments. Um, I've, I have felt that he feel that he is much more competent uh, and comfortable uh, in front of the media. And this is one of the things that I that I applaud about him. On the other hand, um, you know, I'm hoping that. Um, uh, that our former president uh, Trump uh, could learn a little bit more and could get somebody like DeSantis on there to help him. I mean, uh, yeah. uh, Vice President uh, Pence uh, was very good at handling the um, the uh, uh, the antagonistic press. I'll use that right. word. Yes, yes. No, and, I, agree. Uh, I, I agree. I'm hoping that that. Um, that uh, it, you know, it, it he will get away from from the name calling. Right. Now that it becomes more and more evident that he is he is going to be the nominee. You know, I agree, and and I I think you're right about that. I I, I support that 100. percent But but here's the thing about DeSantis that is fascinating. A year ago, when all of this got started, remember all of this got started after he had that amazing election night, 
2022, where he won re-election in Texas by 19 points. Uh, they had a tremendous Republican night in in uh, in Florida. I mean, I said Texas. I mean Florida. He was re-elected by over 19 points, almost 20 points, and everything was lining up for DeSantis. And in fact, a year ago, a year and a half ago, he was tied. Looking, some, looking very good. Yeah. It, it seemed like it was his time, you know. But then they started attacking Trump, and that just made Trump tougher and stronger. And a lot of people just went to the Trump side, and you could just see DeSantis' support dropping. I think he still has a future. I really do in politics, and we're going to talk a little bit about that in a second. But before we leave New Hampshire, uh, George, I heard something today. President Biden is not on the ballot, but there is another candidate, a fellow named Phillips, a representative from Minnesota, who's on the ballot. So the big fear in New Hampshire is that Phillips defeats Biden. (laughs) Now, Biden, again, is not on the ballot, so he's not technically defeated, but there is a movement to like a write-in movement. Yeah for Joe Biden and how embarrassing that would be if a congressman from Minnesota that nobody knows defeats Joe Biden in New Hampshire or the not Joe Biden directly, the movement to write in. I don't know. It, it is really, uh, it's really crazy. I think the Democrats made a huge mistake in over, I mean, he could have run in New Hampshire and, and won, that is President Biden. He could have well, run there as know, the incumbent. Presidents have always Presidents have historically always run. Yes, that's you right. know they have always gotten out there, and even if you know incumbent presidents have always run, and that's the end of it. That's it. But no, you're right. You get ninety, one. you get ninety eight percent of the vote, this and it's one, all this, this one was has been coronated already, and um, you know it's so much of the behavior of the current Democratic Party mimics the behavior of of Russian communism. I'm sorry, I, I just. You know, that sounds like an extreme comment, but I, I, I just can't, you know, having looking at the two and seeing how their behavior has been. Well, even Cuban communism. I mean, who, yeah. you know, all of a sudden. Any communism. Yeah, yeah. It, it just is. But I find I find it fascinating that they didn't participate in Iowa. They, they're not going to participate in New Hampshire. And all they had to do was sign up and put them on the ballot. Exactly. And he would have won both of them easily. But now they're running into the embarrassment that he may be outvoted. Again, he's not on the ballot, but the movement to write him in could be outvoted by... And there's uh, a lot of antagonism towards him. I mean, there is a lot is. of antagonism. In, on their within, side. In his party. Within in his, his party. party. Which leads me to the point, before we get to the VP ideas, uh, the vice presidential ideas, I think that... It, if Donald Trump can wrap this up and he should be able to wrap it up in the next two or three weeks, what he should do is basically get, get away from the news and basically just step aside and, and not be in the news every day. Now, it, obviously it's easy to be away from the news when you're not running for something, but if he could just kind of step aside and let Joe Biden be on the front page, because I think Biden is the one who's having some, some difficulties, uh, <laughs> With his uh, with his yeah. party at the moment. Okay, let's look at some possibilities for vice president before we leave uh, tonight. Uh, 
the decision doesn't have to be made right now. It would be foolish to make it now, I think. Probably, I'm assuming the convention is going to be in late July or something. So he's got six months, five months to do it. But here is my my four choices at the moment. And if you agree or disagree or you have a different name, please give it to me. But I'm going to mention these starting with number four. Uh, Governor DeSantis as vice president. Now, a lot of people are going to say, well, they just had a campaign. Look, we've seen this throughout history. People campaign against each other and then they make up. Uh, Reagan and Bush in 1980, Kennedy and Johnson in 1960. Uh, yeah, so these. On and on. On and on. So people, these, they're going to come together if the party tells them to come together for the good of the party. So I would argue DeSantis because I still think once DeSantis gets out of the campaign and he go, goes back to being governor of Florida, and let's say for the next three or four months, that's who he is the governor, the successful governor. Of Florida. I think DeSantis is going to be rising again. And a lot of people, particularly suburbanites, look at DeSantis very, very well. So I say DeSantis is number four on my list, uh, George. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think DeSantis has got to be a consideration in some form or fashion. But again, as long as uh, as long as they can mend fences and I'm, you know, if uh, Trump and, and uh, Cruz can could mend fences, uh, he can mend fence. These two can mend fences. Absolutely. So I would put DeSantis at number four on my list. Number three, J.D. Vance, Senator from Ohio. Now there is a long shot, I think, because he's only a first-term senator. Yeah, right. But he is a success. He was a successful businessman before he came into into mm -hmm. office. But he would bring a lot of youth and a lot of enthusiasm, and he would play very well with the base. So I would argue that he would be, he's number three. I still rank him as a long shot, but he's a very attractive candidate. I saw him this morning on one of the channels talking about New Hampshire. He's well-spoken, he's telegenic. I think he's, he'd be a good guy in this day and age, George. Yeah, I, the fact that he is he comes from the private sector is really appealing to me. So uh, now he is a long shot, like you said, but um, having two non-politicians for the first time ever, or for the first time since uh, the uh, founding of our nation, I think would be great. Now, a lot of people are going to try to compare him to Dan Quayle, who was also a young senator. I always thought Dan Quayle was given was a very, very bum rap. Up. I was there. <laughs> I remember yeah. Dan Quayle. But Dan Quayle was a, a senator. Yes. And um, Dan Quayle was very photogenic. He was very pleasant, but um, he lacked in the smarts. Well, sure. But I'm saying that's what, what, uh, yeah. what they'll say that about J.D. Vance, except I think J.D. Vance is, smarter. is a pretty smart guy. But, but again, I, I do concede that he's a long shot. Number two, and I wrote a post at American Thinker today about this, Lee Zeldin of New York. Now, Lee Zeldin, member of Congress, prior to that, he's a lawyer by training. He served in Iraq. He was a congressman from New York. He ran for the governor of New York in, in 2022, put up a great fight, came within three or four points of winning that race. In fact, a lot of people thought he was going to win. 
And uh, I think he would add a lot to the ticket. You would have a, a vice presidential candidate who could actually talk about city issues and urban issues, which I think this year present a real opportunity for the Republican Party to go into some of these blue cities and point out to some of these people, hey, whatever the Democrats are telling you is not working. So I like Lee Zeldin. I don't know how you feel about him. Well, other than the fact that it would be two New Yorkers on the ticket at that point. I mean, uh, Trump claims Florida, of course, but he is a New Yorker. Um, Outside of that, uh, yeah, I think he's he would be a good one. I I, I think he's really, really a long shot on uh, on it, though, because he's he's from the East Coast. He's uh, from the state of New York. Um, And again, he's uh, he hasn't been a politician that long. Right. Well, that's that's true. So he is uh, somebody who who I think, uh, like you say, it's a, it's a long shot, but he's a very talented guy. I would I would argue that he's more that he has more experience than J.D. Vance, let's say, mm-hmm. or more experience than Dan Quayle had when he was uh, selected. Now, let me go to my number one pick. This is the, the person that I like to see on the ticket. Mike Pompeo, former secretary of state. Yeah. Uh, former CIA director, I believe, former member of Congress. Uh, I think also a former, I think a West Point graduate, actually, former officer, military officer. The reason that I say Mike Pompeo, he's a very smart man, obviously. The reason I say is because I believe that 2024 is going to be a year where we're going to be talking a lot about national security. Mm-hmm. Uh you know the map of the world, and it's crazy right now. I mean, there are so many fires around the world. Any one of them could get us into a war. That's how crazy it is. Iran, Russia, China, I mean, any one of them. And I think having somebody on the ticket who projects that knowledge of national security would make me feel good, George. Uh, How do you feel about him? Uh, I, I, you know, you, all, all the points that you made regarding his uh, abilities, his knowledge uh, of international affairs, obviously, is very, very good. And I think that that, uh, that would really, really uh, complement uh, the, uh, uh, the the Trump ticket. Um, again, uh, I think there's so there's been so much bad blood between the two of them uh, that I am not sure. I mean, I would I would have a very, very difficult time and seeing how the two of them could work together uh, given given the bad blood that has occurred in the past uh, two years. Uh, on the other hand, I have seen bad blood, you know, uh, uh, be fixed. I have seen rifts be fixed uh, before. So, um, you know, it, I, I, I think that he would be very, very good. I am not sure that he would be my number one pick. Yeah, um, but uh, he is, you know, he is a very, very good. I, I, um, I would uh, look to uh, other folks like uh, former senator from from Missouri, uh, who is a, who would be a Southerner. Uh, gosh, his name slips my mind right now. Uh, I'd look to him as He's well. A former former senator. Former senator from Missouri. Missouri. I'm former trying senator. to remember who yeah. he was. Um, uh, Gosh, he was also the attorney general for Missouri. Um, but I would. No, look I, to, oh, I see. Who, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Um, but I would look to him. 
I would also look to um, Governor uh, Governor Abbott. Well, that's the other. That's the other. I would thing look to too. Governor Abbott. I mean, Governor Abbott would be a, a dynamite uh, VP, uh, and he would bring the border. He would bring that, the border it, issue right into everybody's backyard. Right, and and. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. I think Governor Abbott would be a fantastic, uh, fantastic choice as well. Now, there's a lot of conventional wisdom that says that, by the way, speaking of Missouri, the the current senator from Missouri, who's now in his second term, I can't think of his name, uh, the younger of the two, would also be a, a very good choice. Uh, there's some talk of the governor from North Dakota uh, who he was a he was a presidential candidate was in a couple of debates for for a short time. There's also talk about Vivek, but I think Vivek is too young. That's my Vivek opinion. too young, and um, you know the um, again I I think I think he would handle the um, the media very very well. But I'm I think because he's too young, I'm not sure that he would handle being second in second. Right, place. exactly, and something else too that has to people need to understand is that. And I thought Mike Pence was very good at this. The The vice president is actually the president of the Senate. So you yep. spend most of your time in the Senate. You're not really you're out there. The you've got to know the Senate. For, to you got to know the Senate and you got to get along. And you got to put up with all of you the day to day stuff there. Now, Nikki Haley's out. And I never thought she had a chance. But again, they could make up. I mean, this is how crazy well, they this is. They uh, yeah, I think, you know, I mean, and, and and the the situation that I see with with Nikki Haley as well as uh, other folks like uh, Hillary Clinton is that they have very very strong character um, because I guess they think that they are fighting in a man's world and so therefore they got to they got to really really fight uh, a lot harder than than is necessary and um, I think that that puts them at a disadvantage because then they don't uh they don't uh cooperate at a later time well yeah Nik nikki haley uh i i never you know i never thought of her as even a presidential candidate i always thought of her more as a as someone that you put in a cabinet that's what i what <laughs> i always and, and that is what they did with her they put her in the un uh un uh, secretary now one last point in this george before we go there's a lot of conventional wisdom that says that he has to pick a woman. And I'm looking yeah. at the possibilities, but I'm Diversity, looking at the possibilities. Yes. And I'm saying uh, Governor Sanders, Huckabee Sanders from Arkansas. Wonderful. We love, everybody loves her. But she's the not even in her second year as exactly. the governor of a very small state. I mean, come on. That's exactly. a little, that's pushing Although she did handle the press very well for him. Yes, he, and, he would. Uh, whether or not he could, handle, she could handle the Senate and the press again um, would be interesting. However, the fact of the matter, like you pointed out, she is relatively new. Right. And then you have the other woman who's being talked about is the lady who's the governor of South Dakota. Now, she's been around a little bit longer, but again... What does that bring the ticket? You're already going to win South Dakota by 40 yeah, points. Yeah. So I'm you not need, exactly sure what that brings to the ticket. You need and somebody, then, you know, that, that's going to bring something as well as um, that that uh, has a powerful presence. Right, exactly. And then the other possibility is this lady from New York, uh, uh, Lajanik, I think, what, Eliza, whatever her name is, 
the woman who asked the questions of the of the of the university presidents. I can't think of her yeah, name right. right now. Right. But again, the issue with her is is her lack of experience. I mean, you are talking about having somebody a heartbeat from the presidency. And and I've always felt more comfortable. You know, that's one of the reasons why I was happy when George W. Bush selected Cheney, because you know, you've got somebody there with, with experience, you know. Yeah. Uh, and and I just or when Reagan selected Bush, you know, you got somebody there with some some experience. I like the idea of having somebody with experience in 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 the vice presidency. And I don't see any of the lady governors that have been talked about. They may be very popular and very conservative, and I, I know somebody's going to send me an email about that, but it, it's not them. It's just I just don't think they're ready yet. You know, give them a little bit more time. So that's why I focused on 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 these four. Well, now, I will I, tell you. people. Some people have, have sent me notes and said that they know, I don't know how, but that they know that Tucker Carlson is going to get selected. Well, and, uh, you know, I mean, uh, I've also had notes, you know, that there's uh, uh, Russian troops uh, just south of Dallas. So, well, Tucker Carlson, I'm not exactly sure who he brings in that he doesn't already have. (laughs) And with all due respect to Tucker, who's a wonderful commentator, Tucker has never really run anything. I mean, he ran his television show and he did so successfully. I'll give him that. But he's he's never really been in politics, and some people say, "Well, that's a good thing." Well, you got to have some experience. I'm sorry, you got to have some experience uh, to to do this. You know who I wish we had? Uh, somebody like like uh, your your old boss at Health, uh, Jack Kemp. That's who I wish we had. Somebody like that. Somebody like Jack Kemp uh, sitting around, like the late Jack Kemp, who I always liked uh, a great deal. But anyway, these are just speculative speculative conversations. I don't expect President Trump to be naming anybody. He doesn't have to. Throwing names around. Let's not get excited. That's right. Plenty of time to do it. But these four names, interesting, though, I'll say this uh, before we wrap up. After listening to your your analysis of my first four choices, uh, Santis all of a sudden comes up. Because DeSantis is someone with experience, someone who has run on something, so maybe DeSantis wouldn't be a bad choice. I, you know, I don't think he would be. I think he'd be a very, very good choice. And he would bring some of that experience, and, and he that would, would know be good. how to hold his tongue around him. Yes. But at the same time, he would know how to handle the media. Absolutely, and and I just I just think that it would be a good match. Uh, you're bringing in the future into the the ticket so i think that would be that would be a good match well george thank you so much for participating as always and uh i i think we'll have more chats about the vice presidency i think so over the next uh few months because it'll it's gonna heat up it I will mean, it's but gonna heat up a lot faster now that um we know that he's going to be the nominee but you know where it's really gonna heat up george on the other side that's it you know the, I, I really let me let me conclude with this yes this is, this is going to sound extreme but i really do believe uh silvio that in the next couple of in the next few months we are going to see the democrats the liberals the leftists just have a meltdown to try to derail trump i mean they i mean yeah. it, it is so it, it it's looking like a freight train coming at them at this point 
and uh, they're going to do everything possible. And I, I, it bothers me, but at the same time, I look at it comically. You know. Well, I, I think I, it bothers me too, but I think they're they're self destructing at the same time. I, which I is, think so too. Uh, which is that. George, I'm sorry that we don't get to tech, talk about the Cowboys today, but uh, yeah, right. I guess we can do that uh, next September. We've but got plenty of time to talk about them. Yeah, we got plenty of time. They, they're going to keep their coach, which is probably a good thing. I, I yeah, never thought and their much, quarterback and their quarterback. I never thought McCarthy was the problem, honestly. Yeah, now, well, I, I Prescott, don't think... quarter, the quarterback Prescott is not necessarily the problem, but I do think they need to start looking beyond yes. Prescott. Maybe bring in a younger guy to start uh, grooming him. Back him up. Yeah, for the yeah. future. George, really? have a great weekend. I hope the weather doesn't treat you too badly down there. No, no. I think it's I, I think we're gonna we're gonna survive right. climate change. I'm sure you will. You'll you survive any change, George. You're you're like uh who, who what is that animal that survives everything? Uh what is that? Whatever. A groundhog. Yeah, that's it. All right. You'll survive anything. Thank you for joining us, George. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Uh our good friend George Rodriguez in South Texas. Again, as I discussed with uh, George, we have a lot of time to discuss the vice presidency, who it's going to be. Uh, I mean, I think the smart thing for President Trump to do or former President Trump to do would be to just don't say anything. I also think once he wraps up, and I think this thing will be wrapped up in New Hampshire, Nikki Haley may may come in within 10 points, maybe even five points because of all these independents who are going to vote for her. But it's over. She doesn't have a future. South Carolina doesn't look very good for her. So I wouldn't be surprised if she drops out as well, as well, which would be good for everybody. And then President Trump can go into hiding for a while, because I think the big news is going to come out of the Democrat Party over the next uh, over the next few months. There's a lot of discontent in the Democrat Party, but you know they do a good job of hiding it when they're talking about when they're talking about President Trump. Well, have a good weekend, everybody, or the rest of it. Uh, we're going to get some rain Sunday night, and hopefully it doesn't turn into ice or snow or flurries uh, by uh, tomorrow morning. The temperatures are, are going to be in the high 20s, early 30s, so it could. Let's just hope it doesn't so that we don't mess up our driving uh, tomorrow morning. Talk to you later. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, and... Whoever wins this weekend, I hope they – San Francisco, what is it, San Francisco? Uh, what is it, Baltimore, uh, Detroit, and then uh, the, the one – Buffalo and Kansas City, one of those two. It should be a good uh, – the next weekend should be a lot of good, uh, good football. Bye-bye, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas.